Hello, I'm Joe Cadwell, host of Grit Northwest. You can find my show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast directory. Grit Northwest is now part of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, where you can discover other union-specific shows to help you learn more about organized labor movements across the nation and around the world. It's one-stop shopping at its best. Just visit laborradionetwork.org. Once on the main page, click on a logo that interests you and a show description with hyperlinks will magically appear. How easy is that, right? So ditch the TV and grab those earbuds to hear the collective voices of workers from around the globe demanding fair treatment from their workplaces and elected officials. Join us at laborradionetwork.org. And until next time, this is Joe Cadwell reminding you to work safe, work smart, and stay union strong. In January 2021, the BCTGM International launched the BCTGM Voices Project, a podcast that features interviews with union organizers, local union leaders, rank-and-file members, and BCTGM International officers and staff. I'm sure many of you have seen some of them, especially during the various strikes we were engaged in or during our organizing drives. The BCTGM Voices Project is hosted by our Director of Digital Media, Michelle Ellis. Her vision for this podcast was to amplify the voices of union members talking about their lives, their workplaces, their struggles, and their on-the-job experiences. Our aim is to uplift the voices of our members as we work to organize and make our union stronger. I will turn the stage over for a special panel discussion being led by Michelle and including international representatives Andrew Gutierrez and Jared Cummins, as well as Chantel Mendenhall, Principal Officer of Local 218 in Kansas City. Let's take a look at this video of the best of the BCTGM Voices Project. Voices Project, a podcast highlighting the real people who make up our union. And I'm happy to report that we've got a great program put together now with some really talented people. The executive officers hired this year. They know just about everything that needs to be known with social media. There's nothing louder than when a whole other union that has nothing to do with your industry just shows up right on the picket line. And they don't forget that. The other unions never forget that. You know, your posts have been entirely other focus. And that to me is remarkable considering this is your strike. This is an unsettling time for you guys and you have not made it about you. That was my intention with the page. I wanted to thank people. I didn't want to say, hey, look at us, look at us. I want to say, hey, look at them, look what they did for us. And I knew that I had to convince him on paper because he kept saying, the toolbox is not showing it. I'm like, hey, let's just go out on faith. I know that it's a victory. I didn't have any doubt. Social media will never be able to replace getting out there, meeting people, and having those one-on-one conversations. If we're going to use it for organizing, there's a timing thing for when it should be used and how it should be utilized. You know, if they want concessions, great. When the CEO and the board of directors and all the way down to the plant director and second in charge of the plant take concessions, then come to us. But till that's going to happen, don't come to us asking for concessions. We didn't get no $11 million bonus last year. 
We now know, recognize, and believe in our personal value. We know what we bring to the table. We know who's making the cereal. Why would we sell out the future of the people coming under me with less than 20 years, the people that's going to get hired? Why would we expect them to want to be a part of a union that sold them out? We're striking because it's the right thing to do. Our union is stronger than it's ever been. This is the most I've ever seen this union down in Richmond come together and have each other's backs. They all were fighting for the same cause. This is the BCTGM Voices Project. Thank you, everybody. Um, before I get started, I want to read to you a passage. This is a proceedings book from 2018, and I want to recognize our court reporter, Michelle Eddy, for recording every single thing that we say here so we never can forget these things. Uh, on day two of that convention, the then Southern Region Vice President Anthony Shelton was called to the stage to introduce a video on organizing victory in his region. And this is what he said. I'm excited about finally getting this mic after 30 years. <laughs> I've been waiting my whole life to get up here and do this, so I'm not even sure I'm going to give it up today. <laughs> So things have changed a lot since then, obviously. And the reason I tell that story also is for those of you who don't know me, I have been working for the International for a little more than 20 years. Um, so I identify with what he said that day, and I want to thank you, President Shelton, for uh, giving me this opportunity and letting me try something a little different in front of the convention today. When President Shelton first took office back in 2020, he spent some time sitting down with each department at the international headquarters and explaining to us his vision of really trying to use our departments to service the membership and wanted us to be thinking about ways to do that better and better. Uh, and at that time, I was, my department was going through a bit of a transition. Following that last convention in 2018, um, a handful of people at least in this room might remember that we did do a social media panel then as well, we did it in a different room, a little bit of a smaller setting, and we had some local union leaders get up and give some presentations, and then we had a lot of, we had a long conversation. I allotted one hour for this event, and it lasted two hours. So, you know, tons of great feedback, people saying they really learned a lot, but what I learned is exactly what President Shelton said, that this needed to be done on a more regular basis. This was something that the members were hungry for, so, so that is really the story behind the BCTGM Voices Project podcast. It was a way for us to create a digital place where we could have these conversations on a more regular basis. You know, we do a lot of interviews with workers who are, you know, making moves out there, whether they're on strike or they're in an organizing campaign. We talk about all of those things, and then I do a shorter segment within the podcast that's called Digital Insights where I will do a brief training on something related to social media. And I've talked about how to create Facebook ads for organizing leads or uh, creative apps that you can download on your smartphone to help you edit photos and videos. 
we've talked about creating content calendars to keep you on task for the month and make sure that there's regular content coming out. And the desired outcome of all this is really to have this growing pool of members who are not only like improving their skills on social media and, and how they communicate, but also who have the confidence to come back from those things and say, this is what we did. We're not perfect at it. We're not geniuses on social media, but we tried this. This is how it worked or didn't work. And to really keep that dialogue going. So all of that is to say, we're going to simulate that here on the convention floor today. Uh, these panelists up here have all been on the podcast in the first year. Uh, so before I go any further, let me just go down the line and I'll have you each introduce yourselves and then we'll get started. So Chantel. I'm Chantel Mendenhall. I'm the business manager and the financial secretary for Local 218 out of Kansas City, Missouri. Andrew Gutierrez, uh, international business agent organizer. I came out of Local 351, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, I'm Jared Cummings, international rep in the Central States, and I'm a 24-year member of Local 53. Uh, so really quickly to go back on how, how quickly things change around here, I want to say one year ago from today, Chantel was working in the Frito-Lay plant, she was crewing coordinator, um, and was a first-time officer in that local, trustee at the time. Um, now has since been elected to the principal officer of her local union, um, so that's really great. Andrew, yes. Yeah, uh, Andrew was working at Bimbo Bakeries, the president of Local 351, and he's since been hired on the international staff working in the field, so that's really wonderful. And uh, Jared, of course, member of Local 53 on the executive board there, has also since been hired at the International uh, and was working in the field as well. So. so good job, guys, and thanks for all you do for our members. So OK, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about social media in three categories. We're going to talk about how we're engaging our members on an everyday basis, just regular, everyday social media. We're going to talk about how we leveraged it in the strikes of the last year. And we're also going to talk about some special challenges that come up when we try to use it in organizing. So we're not taking questions from the floor today, but what I've learned from doing this at the regional meetings is that people really want to ask questions as we go along. So that is what the purpose of the breakout session is for lunchtime today, why we've been telling you to please come there. While we're talking, if you think of things that you would like to bring up in there, jot them down and, and we'll talk about all that in Celebrity Ballroom 8 during lunchtime. All right, so let's start with the strikes. Uh, Chantel, you created the Facebook page called Topeka Frito-Lay Members Appreciation Page last summer when you all went on strike. Will you explain the concept behind that page and how you decided to manage it? Uh, yeah, one of our members on the strike line, Monk, he uh, had been doing a great job of taking pictures of everybody that was coming in, supporting us, whether it be bringing water to the line or walking the line with us or even just honking. And he would post it on his Facebook page and tag as many of his friends as he could. 
Well, we were talking about it, and we were trying to find a way to make it more available to everyone, not just friends of his. And he came up with the idea of having the public page and asked me to start it. Uh, it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that before, so I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, when it asked me to name the page, I was like, uh. <laughs> so I honestly did not like the name of the page, but I thought I'd be able to change it later. And um, by the time Facebook would actually let me change it, it was too late because it already caught on. And so many people were uh, watching it on Facebook. So it just stayed the same the whole time. Um, the way we decided to administer it, administrate it is we just decided that this was going to be about the public and the community. It wasn't going to be about us. We didn't talk about our struggles on the strike line. We talked about the benefits of people um, bringing water or the benefits of people sending pizza. We had, as uh, Vice President Brad Schmidt mentioned in his speech, we had somebody from Wisconsin that knew nobody just decide to send us pizza. So she contacted me via the Facebook page and asked me a good place in, in our local town that everybody liked the pizza from so that she could uh, call them and have them send us pizza. Um, we just decided to, again, focus on what the community was doing for us. And it worked out really well. It actually was a great way for companies. It was kind of a win-win for companies as well because they saw that we were getting the recognition on this page. And so they would donate something so that their name could be plastered up on the page. And so it was a win-win because we got the, the donations and they got the publicity. So it worked out really well for us. Uh, so, so her page was so well, well done, very professional every day. I had mentioned to her, you know, we see the members doing their own social media sometimes. And they want to focus sort of on, on the scabs that are crossing the line and talk about that, calling people out. What they were doing was so opposite of that, just really focusing on the positive things that were happening while they were out there. And I, I truly believe that it caused more positive things to happen for you guys while you were out there. Um, Andrew, we used that formula. We, we trained on it. We talked to other local unions about, about it as we went along through every strike. You were actually an administrator on the Kellogg page. You, you were assigned to Omaha, that strike line, uh, and then also went on to do the John Donaire strike and helped with their Facebook page. What are some other things that you would say worked well in order to build awareness on behalf of the workers? So we did actually, we copied the exact same uh, name, name uh, pattern. It was the Kellogg strike appreciation page and the John Donaire appreciation page. Um, once you made that one, we just followed it all the way, and it did. It worked to kind of highlight, like you were saying, you know, the, the community. And, and, um, but as far as what worked the most, it depends on each strike. You know, I learned uh, Kellogg's versus John Donaire, complete, just complete different strikes. Uh, so what worked uh, a lot in Kellogg's didn't seem to work on John Donaire and vice versa. Um, Kellogg's uh, was really popular, was memes and, and things like that. There was a guy out there, Jeff Jens, who's built like a tank and... We started making these memes about him, like lifting cars up and stuff like that, and that was really popular. Versus John Donaire, um, it was a whole different audience and a whole different uh, crowd of strikers, so the same tactics didn't work. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of had to learn uh, the different ways to adapt to, to each uh, area and each strike. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so. I think um, I would like to add to uh, what you learned going along, actually. I think I speak for myself as well as Karina. Uh, working together on the communications for this, we really learned to trust the workers with their own stories and 
you know, only really step in when we were like, eh, like what you posted is maybe a little bit inappropriate. We didn't have to do a lot of that though. Um, you know, we had other union communicators, we would have meetings later on, we're affiliated with the AFL-CIO working communicators group. And they would ask us, how did you control the message going through this? And our answer in every instance was that we didn't. We really didn't. We trusted the workers and they did a good job. So, you know, they know their story better than we do. And, you know, we would guide and influence a little bit, but for the most part, we just let them do it. So, Jared, by the time we get to the Kellogg strike in October, we have, uh, you know, in Mondelez, there was five locations on strike, Mondelez, Nabisco. In Kellogg, there was four locations on strike. And I know that Portland had, um, the Portland Nabisco line had a private group that I was involved in. I believe Richmond did as well, although I wasn't a part of it until later on. Uh, but in Kellogg, um, you were, you were uh, signed to Lancaster. They did have a Facebook group. What are some of the advantages that you observed of the members having this internal platform during that time? I think a lot of it was really communication amongst the members while they're out on the line. You know, do we need food? Do we need water? Um, I don't think we had a porta potty at that time, so the gas station down the road was allowing us to use that. So somebody was actually running people back and forth to the bathroom. Um, a lot of just kind of surveillance to some degree. Hey, here's the scab buses are coming in. Where are the scab buses coming from? Has anybody seen it? Um, but I think we also used, I, I mean, it was, it was nice because now you can kind of post videos and, and a lot of the locals uh, sent in like videos of like support um, and messages of support and it was, it started out internally, like they would all kind of boost each other up and keep them going. Then we started posting kind of some of the videos that everybody would send in. And that really helped with morale through the whole time. Yeah. Uh, something else that was really neat that happened, the uh, Kellogg families in Omaha started a Facebook page, a Facebook group. Now this is private. It's not, a, you know, the public wasn't able to see it. You had to be permitted in, into it. And I saw them in there talking about, um, you know, what's going to happen if the company turns off our health insurance? Where are you guys getting diapers or things like this? And I thought to myself, you know, Chantel by this point had been back to work and so had um, the Nabisco workers. But I added Chantel and Darlene Carpenter to that group. And they were able to help those people through those things by letting them know what worked for them. So that was a cool thing that happened too. Um, Chantel, do you have anything to add about the advantage of a private group? Uh, the private group was really great because that's where you could show your fear. That's where you could be nervous and scared. And since you were able to do that in that, in that private group, you weren't projecting that onto the, onto the public on our public page. So you were able to ask, as she said, about diapers or what do I do since I don't have health insurance or what doctor can I go to? Um, and the nice thing about it too is people that weren't afraid to ask the questions that was great because if I had the question that meant like 12 other people were probably wondering the same thing and they were just too nervous to ask it so it was it was just a great way to internally communicate as Jared had said that's a good point um, all right I want to move into engagement with the members uh, Andrew as I mentioned you were previously the president of local 351 in Albuquerque you're the first BCTGM local union leader that I ever saw doing this like perfectly well. 
um, you know, just regular, everyday quality content, educating the members. Will you talk about where you gain inspiration for this activity and um, some guidelines that you set to maintain it? Sure. Um, so I, some of it came from a little bit of training I had. Um, for example, I went to, I attended the uh, Grace Carroll Rocky Mountain Labor School, which is hosted by the AFL-CIO, and there's a, a social media uh, portion in there. Um, but the, the main goal of it was just uh, to highlight and, and feature the members, um, you know, as a full-time working, you know, working full-time in the factory and trying to run the local. Uh, we had 24 shops statewide. Uh, it's just impossible to do. So it was a way for us to try to reach out to all the members um, and highlight all of those members while still doing it from my lunch break at the factory. Um, because there's, it, it's, it's, so, it's so hard to service that many local, that many shops, uh, but that's the most important thing. Um, and so that's kind of what started it, and then it just kind of blew up. Uh, like you said, we, we started focusing on content and how much is too much to post, you know, too, too little, too much, um, and it just, it just blew up. It was great. Well, I do, I do want to call out a couple really cool things that uh, you had done. He had, uh, what got my attention in the very beginning was the video you made that were, you were teaching people how to find the union label on yes. the bread. It's just him, so simple. Him talking, a picture of the bread with the union label on it. It's like these things, you don't, we don't think about it because we look for that all the time, but the general public maybe doesn't. And so that was great. Uh, he had themed days that would help him remember oh, it's, mon it's Monday, and he's doing Member Monday, and every Monday he would post a picture of one of the workers in his plant and kind of say, uh, here's their story. And, and actually, that was so wildly successful, we've had him doing it for the International on the, our Facebook page. So if you ever see Member Monday on Instagram and Facebook, that's Andrew. Uh, Chantal, after the Frito-Lay strike, as I said, you, you became the principal officer of Local 218, and then you later created another Facebook page, which, which just strictly serves your members. How do you manage that page differently than you did the strikes? Um, actually, I didn't start it. Our president, Cody Fogel, is the one that started it. Uh, we had attended new officer training together, and you and, and Ms. Karina had come in and talked to us about the importance of social media and the importance of communicating with our members, and we took that to heart. And uh, Cody actually on the plane while we were waiting for everybody else to board, because we were one of the first peoples to board. So while we were waiting for everybody else to board, he just quickly got on Facebook and started a page for our local. And um, so he made me the co-administrator on there. But what we try to do is mostly focus on things that directly affect our members. Um, I have stolen Andrew's idea of the member Monday and the throwback Thursday, and uh, he's graciously given me some excellent ideas of things to put on there. Uh, but a, a lot of you, those of you that have Facebook pages, I've, I've gone on to Facebook and searched for every BCTGM page I could find, and I basically steal your memes just about every day. So thank you for that. Um. All right, well, um, so just so you know, Andrew's doing a great job on social media. Local 218 is doing a great job on Facebook. Find them. Do what they do. Um, all right, let's go to organizing now. Uh, we learned so much going through the strikes last year. We had a lot of activity going on. The private groups, the public pages, the members that were sharing videos. And I remember thinking, you know, I can't wait to use all of this great stuff we know now in the next organizing campaign. 
And that next organizing campaign ended up being the Hershey facility in Stewart's Draft, Virginia. Jared was a lead organizer on that campaign. Will you just give a brief overview of, of how it started and where it was when you went down to help? Yes, yeah, so I believe that campaign started, I think John Price went down at the end of September, beginning of October. Um, there was a lot more interest than we had originally thought. Uh, at the time, I was still on one of the strike lines, and I think I got involved with the Facebook page in the beginning of December, and I was on the ground in the beginning of January. Okay. So this organizing campaign had a private group as well. Some things that Jared was in there uh, posting were uh, a lot of videos, confessions of a union buster, like a real life union buster talking about these tactics that he was using against the workers. There's a really great video from John Oliver that show last week tonight that's about union busting. It's funny, but it's, and it's also very educational. A lot of inoculation tools in there. He was posting meetings, office hours, voting information, tons of encouragement for the workers, posted his phone number, call me if you want to talk further about this. So, so all of that was really wonderful, but it did change over time. Can you talk about how it changed over time versus Facebook being a resource versus an obstacle? Well, I'm, so you have to remember this, this campaign as it started, we didn't really have much of a COVID issue. As we got more into the winter months, uh, COVID kind of ramped up at the plant. So we had to rely heavily on that because we really couldn't get people into a room in any way, shape or form. Um, the problem with that was, you know, again, like I said in the video, if you rely too much on that, you, you don't get a chance to build those relationships and have those one-on-one -on -one conversations. And when people have questions, it's impossible to do through Facebook. You just, you just can't do it, you know? And, and we had probably like 500 people on the page. Um, and it's a 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week plant you could wake up and there's 30 questions and there's probably 60 answers to every one of those you know everybody has an idea of you know what the answer is to that so it gets really difficult to manage answering some of the tough questions that you know you really should be having in person with people yeah yeah it was um i learned a lot with that too i was like this is way different than a strike you know, you're as the, on the strike line, you're dealing with people who already support the union, and then this was just, you know, a lot of them are like, what is this? I don't know. It was, they were organizing in a really conservative area of Virginia, which, which was difficult sometimes. So, um, Andrew, you've also been doing a lot more organizing since you've been on the staff, the International, and I know you guys are currently working on Danone in Utah. That's uh, how, what are some, do you have other ways that you've been using the socials there? Yes, yeah, so um, myself and Adam Townsend are working in Utah uh, on this, this campaign. And, and so the way I mentioned memes on the Kellogg strike and the way to, to, to follow up what you just said, these people are non-union, you know, and we're trying to organize them. So they don't understand the memes. Um, so we've learned that using just factual posts um, going over real union facts, what the union does do, um, the, the benefits of joining a union seem to be a, a lot more popular among this crowd versus union memes that we all get and we all think are funny because we're in the union. Yeah. But uh, so, so that's kind of been what's, what helps in, in this environment is just straightforward facts about the union. That's good. Um, all right. Well, we're not going to keep everybody here all day in this. Um, 
So I'm going to wrap it up with just a few closing remarks now. The BCTGM International has been on Facebook since October of 2011, so a little more than 10 years. Committed this whole time, we're posting news, solidarity, links back to our websites, a lot of awareness. It wasn't until the last three years or so that we started putting a lot more resources into educating and encouraging members to do more of the talking. So for instance, nowadays when a union rep calls me and says, I have a group of photos and I went to this event, you know, we'll still take that stuff. We do still have a printed publication in Karina. We'll write it up in the news. But for my department, digital media, I'm encouraging you all Post those pictures on your own page. Write something that you, you know, experienced that day. What it, what it felt like to be involved in this thing and what it means to you to be a un, uh, member of this union. And then let me share that on the internationals page. This is how we've gotten our members and leaders to really trust their own storytelling so that by the time you've got six months straight of BCTGM workers walking off the job on strike, and suddenly the media cares to talk to us, and suddenly the politicians want to be our best friend, you've got members all across social media that are telling that story. There's information there for them to find. You know, our workers raised so much awareness for our union this last year. I want to read you some figures to just give you a snapshot of that. I have to report to the General Executive Board twice a year on the activities of my department. And I always try to update them on how many people are following us on social media. Last fall, 2021, so almost a year ago, our Facebook page had 4,200 followers. Today, it has 11,350 followers. So 63% of the people who follow us on Facebook were earned in the last year. On Twitter, that, that percentage is 56%, brand new, in the last year. And on Instagram, it's 66% of those followers were gained in the last year. In direct correlation with all of this exponential growth, the quality of uh, engagement, the positivity has done a 180. You know, anything we post these days gets a lot of support from the public. This only changed because we turned our social media into a collaboration. You know, instead of a megaphone. We treated it like a union. We decided that 500 perfectly curated posts by some staff person at the International <laughs> means nothing compared with 500 workers posting all over the Internet. I love this union. You know, it's because we had people like Chantel in Topeka, Kansas, grow this platform from zero out of a challenging time and then take it with her to Omaha, Nebraska to stand on the Kellogg strike line and say, you showed up for us, now would you please show up for them? It's because in conversation after conversation, workers from the U.S. to Canada, from one coast to the other, have inspired each other to say, this is our union. It's our future, it's our fight, and it's going to take all of us to make sure that they hear each and every one of us. So, like I said, this is a conversation, though, and I am learning every day as I go along. I'm learning from these guys. I'm looking forward to learning from you 
in Celebrity Ballroom 8 at lunchtime today. Um, so please, if you didn't register, that's okay. It just means that there's not gonna be a box lunch available. Please still come. If you have questions that you wanna ask me or them, please still show up and let's, please give it up one more time for my panelists up there. If you found this content valuable, please consider sharing it on your own social media pages and be sure to tag us. We are BCTGM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more on the activities of the BCTGM, go to bctgm.org.